severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Just Get A Real Job. Well, obviously, the big good news we had last week was that we reached 1,000 downloads, which is amazing. When I launched this project, you know, I didn't expect this many people to be listening this early on. Um, and I know 1,000 isn't a lot really in, you know, terms of podcasting. Like, you know, people like David Tennant get like, you know, that probably get that in like two minutes. But, you know, for us, this is a really, we're really chuffed with that. And I'm, I'm overwhelmed by the support we'd had. So... To all our listeners and to everyone who's supported this project so far, thank you so much and let's keep growing this together. So please, if you can, share us, tell your friends to listen, all that stuff goes so far. But but genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, thank you everyone. I really appreciate it. Anyway, I'm going to share with you either a bit of my own writing or someone else's work at the start of each episode. So today, I've got some of my own work to share. This is actually the second version of a poem I shared a few weeks ago, and this is called The Promise of a Night Out, version 2. And this is actually quite a long poem, so I'm very sorry. If you want to skip ahead to the episode, feel free to do so. Anyway, this is sort of a, you know, a parody of all the sort of fun but bad things about nights out we'd probably forgotten in lockdown. Here it goes. The promise of trying on five different shirts before going with the first one. The promise of arriving late at a party, only to find out you're actually the first person to arrive. The promise of queuing a song on Spotify four times, only for it to never come on. The promise of silly drinking games that you can't remember the rules of and don't actually want to play. The promise of £5 pints and gentrified pubs. The promise of a bottle of wine costing £35 when you can buy the same bottle in Lidl for £4.99. The promise of being ID'd when you're clearly over the age of 25. The promise of your friend Steve constantly bragging about how many drugs he did at Alex's 21st. The promise of long queues for an overpriced club night that you'll probably likely leave after three songs and a 99p vodka mixer. The promise of an awkward kiss on the dance floor with a stranger twice your age. The promise of finally meeting the love of your life who it turns out is engaged to an investment banker and yes you guessed it, he's an absolute wanker. The promise of Spice Boys overcompensating for the fragile masculinity. The promise of the toilet attendant spraying you with perfume you didn't ask for and then feeling obligated to tip them £5. The promise about fighting about who's on the next round only to realise it's in fact you. The promise of tequila shots with too much salt and not enough lime. The promise of spending the whole night in the smoking area when you don't even smoke. The promise of swapping numbers with that special someone only to never text each other back. The promise of waiting 40 minutes in a chippy at 3am only to realise that they've got your order wrong and then just eating it anyway. The promise of a 24-hour bakery that actually closed at midnight. The promise of a taxi home that cost three times as much as it did on the way there and took half the time. The promise of crying to your best friend about how you wish you were still 17, followed by the assurance that 30 is the new 20, so you're practically still 17. The promise of texting your ex at 4am to tell them you miss them when you know fine well that you don't. The promise of waking up with a hangover and vowing to never drink again. The guarantee of doing it all over again the following weekend. Stay home, protect the NHS and save lives. 
Well, anyway, that was my uh, very long uh, version two of my poem. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm actually quite, I'm quite happy with that poem. It probably needs a bit of work, but yeah, I put a lot of work into that for you guys this week. So hope you enjoyed it. This week's conversation is with Kyle Dolan, who is an aspiring producer. And me and Kyle are good friends and we'd worked quite closely together on quite a few projects during our time at university together. Yeah, and I spoke to Kyle on the 23rd of December last year. At the time, Kyle was actually in quarantine in Australia, so we recorded it from uh, on Zoom, uh, and he was in his hotel, so uh, it was quite a funny conversation. But anyway, I hope you enjoy this conversation, and I'll be back at the end. Hello, Kyle, and welcome to Just Get A Real Job. Um, you're, you're chatting to us from Australia today. This is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was lucky to get here because um, I think as soon as I left, they basically shut the borders. Yeah, you you left just in time. You left just before this new strain of uh, COVID seems to have arrived. So for context, this episode will probably be coming out maybe January or February time. But uh, me and Kyle are recording this episode today. Uh, it's actually two days till Christmas, the 23rd of December. And uh, yeah, so Kyle, would you like to tell the listeners where you are at the moment? Yeah. So I'm in Perth, Australia at the moment, trying to get back to Adelaide, but I had to, because I landed in Perth, I have to quarantine for two weeks in a hotel in Perth. And it's it's about as interesting as it sounds, you know, like there's literally nothing to do. They've given us like a, a calendar on what we should, like suggestions on what we should do to spend our time. What, what do they like, say? Day three is consider setting a goal for the rest of your quarantine period, such as finishing one book. <laughs> This is my favorite. Day eleven. Take some funny photos and send them to friends and family. I'm looking and forward to that. <laughs> this is the, this is the most like I don't know how to describe this one, but it says here are some other ideas: dreaming of the outdoors, visit some of the world's most famous national parks on Google Earth, which is like just to rub it in that we we can't leave the house. Just go and visit, you know, the Grand Canyon. Oh my god. Well, at least the Australian government are looking after their citizens with uh, excellent advice. Well, I mean, it's debatable. <laughs> so as long as, as long as I can have a good New Year, that's all I care about. Yeah, I'm quite jealous of that. You're getting a bit more freedom than us over there. But um, so Kyle, what is sort of, sort of daily life like at the moment in this lockdown then? Or like, what are the meals like? They're good? I mean, they're, they're all right, I guess. So does somebody just like <laughs> come to the door with a plate and knock? And then it's just like go. a brown paper bag that they like, they knock and then they leave it at the door. And then when I go to answer it, they're gone. Oh no, you're just like, please give me a hug. <laughs> so I've not seen another person in like eight days or something. I know there's oh, like man. a security guard about two meters from my door. Oh, really? And the other day I like, yeah. And I opened the door the other day to get my food and like, I could hear him snoring. Just like and, escape, yeah. escape the... <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Well, yeah. thanks for doing the podcast for us, Kyle. I hope this uh, passes the time for an hour or so for you. Well, I think that's my dinner at the door. As oh, speak. my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's find out what it's for today, then. This is exciting. Okay, I'm going I'm to go answer it. <laughs> okay, Kyle, what's in the bag, then? What have, you, what have you got for dinner there? We've got some salmon, and Ooh. I don't know what that is. It's something else, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so are you going to eat your dinner like- on... As we record, um, I'll, I'll put it away. For, if I get hungry, I'll, I'll nibble at it. Have we nibble? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's, Kyle. That's, that's so let's get into the real stuff then. That just get a real job stuff, you know. So, Kyle, what would you describe yourself as? Then you, you're, you did a production Emmy. You're a producer, but do you still see, call yourself a producer? Yeah, I mean, I'll do whatever anyone pays me to do. So, 
I'm just, you know, I'm just happy to get as much experience in whatever role as possible. Well, for the purposes of this yeah. podcast, I think we'll, we'll refer to you as a producer, an emerging I'm producer. Yeah, you take yeah, that. Let's lock that in now. Well, we'll start the podcast by asking you, what are your earliest creative memories then, Kyle? Yeah, so I can remember when I was like two, I remember, or three, roughly, whatever. I remember seeing The Phantom Menace at the cinema. Oh my God, what a and I remember, <laughs> Like, I don't remember the plot, right? I just remember being at the cinema. And I also remember around that age being like really obsessed with James Bond. Like it was like everything in my life was James Bond. And I, I remember being at kindy and like I used to play like with the other kids, like we used to play James Bond on the playground and I used to like assign everyone's roles and I'd be like, okay, I'll be James Bond, obviously. And then I'll be like, you be Goldfinger, you be, you know, Blofeld or whatever. And I remember like my friend came up to me and like, he was really shy. He's like, can I play too? And I'd already assigned everyone their roles. And I didn't know any other characters. And I was like, you know what? Because multiple people play James Bond, I'll be like, you be Pierce Brosnan, James Bond. I'll be Sean Connery. Is that your favorite um, James Bond? Yeah. I think Sean, you can't go past Sean Connery, really. It's, Sean Connery is the James Bond, isn't he? How many times has he been mentioned on this podcast? It's like only a, a few times. Only, yeah. only a few times, I'd say. You know, Sean Connery died recently. So I think we should mention him. I think that's fair. No, but. Yeah, no, I just remember, like, James Bond was, like, my life as, like, a kid. And then I think when I was around six, I remember there was, like, this short story competition in the newspaper and, mm-hmm. like, for, like, kids. And then I remember writing, it was, like, a, a dragon sword fighting sort of short oh, story. They were the best short stories. I used to write loads of them. I loved them. What, do you remember yeah, and what the plot was? I don't think it had much of a plot, but... <laughs> <laughs> I remember it was three pages long, which is like a lot for a six-year-old. <laughs> and I remember that, that it would have been that same year that I tried to learn guitar because like music was always like this big thing in my family. But I didn't realize that you had to practice to get good. I thought it just kind of happened. So I didn't stick with guitar for that long. I tried, I tried guitar, piano, I think trumpet as a kid. And like none of them stuck because mm. um, I just didn't have the discipline to actually you know, try and learn it properly. No, I was the exact and same then, with, with guitar, mate. I was the exact same. Just couldn't stick at it. Yeah. I mean, once I got to high school, I gave it another shot and stuck with it for a couple of years. But I mean, like, I've lost it all now. Like, I can play, like, four chords and that's about it. Do a good um, David Brent. Still... <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need it for. Yeah, when I was 11, I probably started writing screenplays. I remember, like, I, I wrote, like, a knockoff James Bond film. <laughs> Everything I, I wrote back then was like a knockoff of something good. Were you writing that in like the wrong format then? Or was that just like sort of you, what you thought a screenplay should sort of be at I that think age? I'd, I think I'd read a screenplay or like bits of a screenplay. So I knew like you had to, I didn't really know the proper formatting, but I knew like the dialogue had to go in the middle of the page. And I knew that much. So I was trying to do that. But yeah, I remember, I think I tried to write a sitcom at 11 as well. And it was a like basically, I live it. Eleven years old, you were writing a sitcom, mate. What? It was basically <laughs> I'd watch an episode of Friends, oh, no. and then I changed the names, and like <laughs> that was my sitcom. Apparently, <laughs> what did you change and the name? Was, Do you know what you changed the names to? I can't, no, I can't remember that much, but I just remember doing. It and I was like, it was like it was. Honestly, I should get sued for how close it was. It was not. It was like ridiculous. Ah, like I think I, I stole like jokes and I stole. The premise of like that two the, guys you know, moving across st- the hall from stealing, two <laughs> stealing off other people's talent, Kyle. That doesn't sound like you at all. <laughs> Only kidding, of course. Um, <laughs> no, thanks, that Kyle. That's it. Uh, cheers. Um, 
so sort of you grew up in Australia, right? But you are Scottish as well, so you have quite. I just wondered sort of how your mixed identity sort of affected your creativity growing up, because that's kind of interesting, sort of coming from two cultures almost. Yeah, I mean, I think I found that in Scotland, because I used to come back. So I, yeah, I moved with my family when I was about three, and then used to we used to come back every like second Christmas basically as a kid Mm. and then like when I got to a teenager we didn't come as often but like yes like a lot of my childhood memories are in Scotland and I just seem to like get the sense that in the UK they kind of cultivate the arts a lot more than in Australia and they have more I don't want to say culture but like they're more supportive I think of the of the arts Mm. yeah I've heard that from people I know that are from Australia or who have maybe moved to Australia for a bit that they sort of say there's not as many gigs to go to it's not as big a part of the culture like the feet it's just not as you don't go and see creative stuff as much there that's what they sort of said maybe it's because it's yeah. sunny and they don't need to escape as much maybe because <laughs> it's so sunny and like you can have kind of a good quality of life you don't because I always think growing up in Scotland anyway because it's really dark in the winter or it, you know it's raining all the time and there's not a, you know I love Scotland and it's a beautiful country but you know there's not always stuff to do especially if you grow up in like a sort of small town like I did I think you are more likely to want to escape into art if that makes sense yeah I think also it, the geographical locations of it all help as well because I mean if you're in Scotland or Europe like you can get on a plane and in an hour or two you're in like Germany or you're in Spain or something and you can like fully immersed in another culture whereas in Australia yeah. if you you know you get on a plane for an hour you're still in Australia yeah and at the so moment you're, st- you're stuck in quarantine <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I think that what I found in, in Adelaide was that you yeah I, I grew up in Adelaide so like not essentially everyone calls it a, a big country town so it's it basically it's a million people but they're all spread out across the mm. city so it's like even though it's double the population of Edinburgh Edinburgh I would say is a bigger city because of, of like the vibrance and like what's going on whereas in Adelaide it's very much you know like musicians don't really come to Adelaide theatre doesn't come to Adelaide and that's I think it's partially like it's what I've noticed is that when people do come like musicians or whatever no one really buys tickets like like they'll sell like half the tickets in advance and then people like tend to just go on the day and try and like mm. see what's what's happening that night and I think from a performer's point of view they would see the lack of ticket sales and, and get worried. So they'll either like be forced to reduce the price of the ticket or they'll cancel the show entirely, which has happened a lot. Like I've seen, there's lots of like plays that have been come, advertisers coming to Adelaide and then no one's pre-booked the tickets. So they just cancel the whole season, not yeah. knowing that people are, you know? Well, so I think it's a double-edged sword. I know that because a, a comedian I'm a big fan of, obviously you'll know because I've mentioned him a lot, but Daniel Sloss, who I'm, been going to see for years a really good Scottish stand-up comedian he often talks about his own podcast which I would go and recommend looking up because it's very good but he talks about in his own podcast that um he whenever he plays in Adelaide the crowds are terrible I don't know if you have anything to say about that but he honestly hates playing there he said that like it's just a really hard crowd to play to would you find that growing up that Adelaide was maybe like that at all I mean I think that he'd be talking about the fringe because I've seen yeah. his show like advertised in the fringe and the fringe in Adelaide is like it's the t- only time to go to Adelaide I would say like it's the vibe of the city during that whole month is like is ridiculous and, and it's um I think it's the second biggest fringe after Edinburgh but yeah I mean I guess because I think you look at Melbourne or Sydney and the audiences or the people who actually go out 
and see shows are probably a lot younger. Whereas in Adelaide, the people who go and see shows are probably sort of more middle-aged. Mm. So I would imagine like Daniel Sloss's target audience is not really in Adelaide. So I can kind of get where he's coming from. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I wasn't trying to slag off your your hometown, by the way. I was just, I was just, <laughs> I was just curious. I was just curious to to get that, to, you know, get that from from the horse's mouth as you speak. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I, well, yeah, we're sort of asking this new question now, Kyle. Which is, have you got like a favourite word from where you're from? So, have you got one? You could you could pick a Scottish one, I suppose, as well. Could you qualify for two? <laughs> Actually, I want you to I mean, give I, me two. I want you to give me an Australian one, and I want you to give me a Scottish one. There you go. <laughs> well, now you put me on the spot. I mean, thinking about like an Aussie one and the, the only one, like, I don't know if it's my favourite, but there's one that I found myself using probably more since I moved to Scotland than I did in Australia. And it's like when you call people, you refer to someone as like old mate. And old it's like, mate. yeah, without the deeds, old mate. Old mate. Yeah. And it's like when you're trying to talk about someone without mentioning their name, it can be like in a positive or a negative or a neutral way. It's very versatile. So you can be like... Um, Oh mate, as sort of like like that. No, it's more like it's more like how's old mate doing? Okay, you're not okay. You're not I like that. That's yeah. good. And then I remember <laughs> this one confused me as a kid because like we had a couple dogs and when they were like puppies, like they did a trick nicely. And my mum was like, like clap the dog. Oh and yes. I, like, <laughs> I, I didn't realize, so I like started applauding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, I was seven oh or so. Well, obviously, we have a lot of, you know, quite a lot of English friends now from when we did the masters together. And mm-hmm. one of my ex-girlfriends was English, and she, they were like, her family were like, what? When I told them that, they were like, what? Clap the dog? Clap the what? And I'm like, yeah. I, I never thought about how weird it was till recently, but yeah, <laughs> clap the dog. It, it's an odd phrase, like just go up and applaud a dog. But no, <laughs> give them a nice pet, obviously. But no, that, yeah. I like no. That's the, the good good choices, Kyle. Good choices. We'll sort of move forward the conversation now. So you're you're growing up in Australia, and you talked about you liked music, you were writing stuff, you were very creative as a as a kid and stuff. So you go and study you did journalism and media didn't you and you did that in Adelaide yeah so so I studied I didn't start doing journalism I started doing history and English um, straight from high school I after like the first semester of uni I didn't really enjoy it because I was just basically doing the same subjects that I was doing you know all throughout high school and also like whenever I would tell people I was doing history and English they would always have the same response of like oh so you want to be a teacher which was like I found very like discouraging because I knew I wanted to go into film way back then. And I just found like whenever you like, like there's so much you could do with the history and English degree, but like being in that atmosphere of everyone saying that like all you can do is teach, like that's the only thing that can come out of this. It made me feel like why should I bother even trying, you know? Yeah. So then I switched into the double degree with media and like English at the end of my first year. But I wasn't really good at uni. I, w- I would I was just focused on like spending time at uni bar and socializing more than actual get, actually going pushed. to class and yeah like <laughs> like that's what your undergrad's for really it's not for actual learning I just everything I was more interested in was like creatively was was I wasn't learn that wasn't what I was learning at uni because like I thought when I changed the media that it would you know I would be able to borrow the camera equipment on the weekend like go and shoot my own stuff like practice and learn how to you know make films and stuff in my own time but the uni just refused to let us use the equipment outside of class time and like I kept like the whole time mm. I was there I was like please like just let me use a camera for like a couple of days and like they just didn't encourage or support students like doing the trying thing. to actually like do their own thing yeah but they expected us to like they told us like how to switch on a camera basically and they're like 
if you want to learn more, do it in your own time, uh. which isn't great because like you've got to experiment, I think. And like if you're at uni, that should be the time to experiment, you know, like, yeah, make. I, I think um, Leo, who was on episode two, who's a cinematographer, uh, if you haven't heard that episode, go and listen to it because it's, it's an interesting one. But um, he talked a little bit about that and how he thinks being a student, and especially in the film industry, or you know a more creative subject you should use that time to be free and experiment and really like have fun so i think that's an important aspect of it absolutely and i think so something i did in my undergrad was i fell into like i accidentally fell into like presenting a radio show i was actually about to ask um, you that so thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah one step ahead of you yeah so basically my friend was like the student radio director for that year and they had a they had a show on that was they said something that they shouldn't have and they had to get take them off air after the first episode oh my god <laughs> so, what, what did they say so my, can, can you is it I, I, I can tell you in private but it's uh oh, okay i don't want to slander someone accidentally um, <laughs> okay sorry so basically my friend kind of came up to me and was like i'm stumped for ideas do you want to present a show with me and like i never thought about doing radio there was never something like in the back of my mind even like but I was like why not you know not doing anything better and the show was just like it was meant to be like it's called study break and it was about like what's going on at uni uni life it was very it wasn't great it was like very middle of the road but like it what it did do was like it gave me this chance to it, it forced me to do something every week so like I had to there had to be a show every week regardless of what was going on and it also gave me a chance to fail it gave me like a platform to like with a net I could fail and that was really good because you know I could experiment a bit and I could just do all these things because it doesn't matter really because like there's always going to be a show next week so you can you know improve from from the failings there definitely I've, you've, I would obviously something we try and talk a lot about on this podcast because it's you know it's aimed at emerging creatives in particular and something I always try and sort of talk to my guests about and get across to people is I think failure is a huge part of this. And I think in the arts, I think it's important to have failure because I think you really learn from it. Well, it's necessary. It's like everyone looks at it as a bad thing, but it's it's a good thing, I think. And like you listen to a lot of people who have made it and they'll always, they'll say something like, you know, it takes them five or 10 years before they actually start to get good. No, definitely. It's like you need... To, you need to fail in order to get good. Yeah, well, I was about to say, especially with writing, but no, I think especially with everything, actually, I, I wouldn't just mm. brand that to one thing. No one kind of comes out of the womb as this great artist, you know, like it takes that work, it takes the dedication. And the, maybe the David maybe David Bowie is an exception. Well, he's he's <laughs> he's different. I don't know if he, he was probably hatched. I don't think he came out of the womb. He's, no, he just landed he's here. beyond human. He just landed here. <laughs> actually, to be fair, David Bowie actually did struggle to begin with. He had a lot of uh, early albums that didn't do commercially well. Some of them are really interesting, if uh, worth listening to. But um, no, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked here now. <laughs> what am I talking about? Yeah, so you're, you're doing... turn it into the David Bowie podcast. I mean, I, I'd love that. So you were talking about the radio show then, Kyle. So did you do that for like a year, for two years? So I did that show for one year. And then from there, I got a spot like doing movie reviews and like filling in for like if anyone didn't have like if, if they were sick or whatever I could like sometimes filled in on like music shows or whatever but yeah it was mainly like after that I was doing movie reviews like one a week which was great because I got like free tickets to, to all these previews and I got to interview Corinda Chadha who directed Bend It Like Beckham as well oh very cool yeah that's which like... was yeah that was very much uh, out of my depth was, was the word that I would use <laughs> Something I found out doing that one was like Bend It Like Beckham has screened in every country in the world, including 
North Korea. And like, I think it's the only film that's actually in every single country has been seen. You know, shockingly, right? I've never seen that film. How bad is that? That's like a classic. I, think, I really, I really should have seen that. I think it's one of those ones that I've seen bits on TV, but I don't think I've seen it all in one go. I feel like I've seen some of it actually. Yeah, it was always one of those films that was in everyone's house. You'd go around to a mate's house when you were ten, and they'd have the DVD of that film. So I really should watch that. That's it. No more soccer. But I'm really good. What did I do wrong in my past life? Jess had a talent that was something special. That was brilliant. Really good. Yeah, almost as good as a man. And a family that was something else. Mrs. Bamra, you must be very proud of your daughter. Not at all. And you three shouldn't encourage her. Girls aren't supposed to play soccer. My mum's never wanted me to play. You just can't take no for an answer. So, Kyle, you graduate from this degree. And what, what year is this that you graduate then? I graduated 2019. So you go straight so from this to the to the MA then? Yeah, I finished, I think I handed up my last assignment in like June or July in 2019 and then straight into the MA in, in September. So just for the listeners, so you go, you move to Scotland, you move back to your native mm-hmm. Scotland and you yeah. decide to do a, an MA in film as specialising in production. So you're a producer basically. And well, I mean, well, allegedly. Quotes, quotation marks, yeah. Yeah, big, big, um, big quotation marks, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's basically how it happened, you know. So I arrived end of July, and then the next day I was working in the fringe. So I was doing an eight-hour shift straight off the plane, basically. Oh, that's so hard work like, for you, especially. How did you manage <laughs> that? <laughs> but I was, so basically I was doing like that whole month of Edinburgh, the fringe, and then like a week or two later starting the course. So I didn't really have time to actually like explore this city in that time so I like straight into it yeah and I've not really had downtime since so that's that's why I actually like the quarantine and because it's the first time in like 18 months that I can actually sit still <laughs> oh fair enough so how did you find the the MA at Screen Academy then Kyle how did you find that it was it was good it was really good intense yeah um <laughs> you know I think what I really enjoyed was the fact that I was just around people who had that same passion and the drive and like were very serious about wanted to go into film mm-hmm. um, because most people that I'd like done my undergrad with, like they, they wanted to be journalists or graphic designers or, or radio presenters. And like, it was fun to be around them, but like, I felt like I needed a push to like, that I didn't have until I started this course where I was like around people who were into film and, you know, like just that, that energy and the creativity that that's like in the air when you're, when you're like around people with the, that same interest is like, it makes a huge difference. It's infectious. In it's infectious, isn't it? Yeah. It's amazing, actually, that the energy that gives you, like, I will have days where I feel very down and I feel very like, am I made a mistake? Am I good enough to do this? Am I good enough to be a writer? Am I good enough to work in the film industry? Do you know what I mean? Am I good enough to like be a runner on this film? And then I'll meet, and I'll go meet one of you guys, you know, from the course or I'll text somebody. And then it's just, you get this positive energy and this encouragement in it. I think that's the best thing I got out of the MA anyway, was just, you know, having that like-minded people around you to support you it's so important in this industry to have your tribe absolutely and like i didn't realize i didn't quite realize until i had that that it was missing as well so no what i found at the start of the course was i didn't want to be the what one of the driving factors and like what motivated me was i didn't want to be the one that let the team down you know it's like like there's so many people working in a team and like you don't want to be the weak link because you know everyone's going to hate you and everything and i think I don't know if that if this is a healthy way to go about it, but like I just didn't want to be the weak link in the team. 
which I think is is common from what I like chatted to other people in the course. I think a lot of people felt like that. And that's what kind of, you know, we, it built like this bond because like we did genuinely want everyone to succeed. And I think that's key is like, hey, you need to want the people you're working with to succeed because, you know, why wouldn't you? Like you're all going to look better in the long run if you're all working together. Yeah, no, teamwork's essential. And, and I think understanding everyone's roles and respecting everyone's roles particularly in the sort of more TV and film side of the creative industries, is uh, vital. Hi guys, hope you're enjoying this episode of Just Get A Real Job. If you're really enjoying the podcast, remember to follow us on all streaming platforms. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, remember to give us a review. We really do appreciate your support, so remember to share this with your friends and family so they too can enjoy the next episodes of Just Get A Real Job. And now, back to the show. So, Kyle, I, before I'm going to sort of ask you a bit about your own film in a minute, but first, I just wanted to sort of, could, would you mind sharing a bit about what a producer does, just for anyone listening who maybe wants to get into this? I'm still trying to figure it out myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think like the best sort of summary of it, I guess it's like, they're the ones who kind of really, in a lot of cases, will be the first ones on the project and the last ones to leave it. So they kind of shepherd it through every stage of you know development through the shooting through the post to then distribution so like they're basically kind of is there to kind of guide it and then give like the support needed to the the crew to do their job basically and then yeah you've got different subsets of, of producing and production managers and, and all these sort of production roles um there's, there's a lot to it's 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 hard to explain it's, no, it's a okay. lot to it I just it's, wanted it's that, that, that that's good. No, I just wanted a like a wee basic overview just to just for anyone maybe yeah. is interested. Um we can I'll link some resources at the end of this episode in for screen skills and people can go and have a look at some of the roles that are available actually. That might be good. Um so Kyle, we um on the course, you know, you get you're very lucky because you get to meet my good self. And um we actually work together <laughs> on quite a few projects. So you well fa- I thank you for this as well. But you actually chose my um first to work with. Oh that is not true. Take that back. Elliot, edit that out. <laughs> Hi, it's Elliot, the editor here. Unfortunately, Jamie, I did not edit this part out of the podcast, but for our, all our lovely listeners that are still listening in, do enjoy the rest of the episode. <laughs> I was a delight. No, so you, you chose my one-minute script called The Shirt, which I spoke to on episode six with Matt Boyle about because he was the star of it. Um, and you picked that and we we I think we had quite a good relationship working on that I really enjoyed it we, we had a good creative relationship I'd say it was good no I really enjoyed it and it was um it was nice it was a bit different and it was I didn't realize how difficult it was going to be to make until like we started making because it it's all voiceover I guess it was more Alejandro who, who directed it like he had to be on the ball like making sure that what we filmed on the day matched what he wanted for the voiceover and like I never thought about it until then like how meticulous scenes with voiceover have to be because they have to get the time right way before they actually record yeah what's being said to have to be right on it so yeah i think you accidentally you didn't realize it but you accidentally gave us a, a very difficult job <laughs> <laughs> oh come on it was worth it though obviously it was good no it, it was good so Kyle, I'll talk to you now. We'll just, oh, I just want to talk about your uh, your big project, which is exciting. So obviously coronavirus sort of shut down all the films that we got to make on this course, all the short films. Um, but thankfully in September, the Screen Academy sort of let you guys use the equipment and we got to sort of make these short films in a COVID safe way. 
And you got to make yours, which was a musical called Dance with Someone Else, which has also been mentioned on the podcast before because Elliot did the, you know, he helped with the music for it. But it'd be good to talk to you because you directed it, you produced it, and you wrote it. So would you like to tell us about Dancing with Someone Else? Yeah, so, um, Dancing with Someone Else is yeah, it's a musical. And I think the way I kind of describe it to people is it's kind of like if Normal People was a Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers musical with lots of tap dancing as opposed to, you know, crying in Ireland. Did you um, just compare that to normal people? No, like, that's the sort of, you know, how you, like, you pitch two, <laughs> you two different films and like you, you pitch them as like, this is what meets, this meets this. Yeah, sorry, it's my favourite book. I'm very protective over it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and I think, and yes, I love musicals. I've loved them since I was like, I don't know, 14 or 15 was when I really got into them. And like, I wasn't, I didn't think I was going to do one for like, for this but like in the back of my head I was like oh it'd be really cool to do one but I didn't think I was ready and then like I think during lockdown I just had a moment where I was just like if I'm gonna spend my time doing this I may as well just really throw myself into it and do something that I really love because I think it's like I, I was almost holding myself back just dismissing it saying I'm not ready to do something that intense I'll like do something else first and then do it as like the next or the, the one after but I think what I've learned is that you know you're never gonna be ready when you think you are you've got to overshoot almost. And then you've always got to like be lifting yourself up and like shooting upwards rather than kind of playing to where you think you're at. No, definitely. And I think, yeah, and doing a musical as well, it always felt like there was like, like a fire underneath me and like, the whole crew, I think, felt that. And like, if like one of us sort of slipped up, then the whole thing might tumble. So we had to like really, you know, overshoot our mark. And I think my initial approach, like when I started this course was like, I, I came in with the mentality of like sort of got to learn to walk before you can run. Mm. And then with this film, it was almost like we were learning how to tap dance before we could run. Oh God, how long have you been writing that? How long have you been waiting to say I've been that? drafting it. I've been drafting that one, okay. That's <laughs> good. But, uh, <laughs> well done. But yes, it's it's like you play it safe. Like you're not going to know or discover what you you can do. And I like that's something I've really enjoyed about doing this film was that it it did push me very far out of my comfort zone. Aren't those the same shoes? I didn't think you noticed. Just like yesterday Yeah, way back when We were just kids back then Imagine what they'd say You know, like, it showed me, like, I guess what you can actually do on such a small budget because, you know, like, I've, I think I've, I've my mistake in the past was, like, just trying to, like, work with within what I knew and, like, work within the means that I, I had available. But with this one, I kind of had to just really think outside the box, especially during COVID. Like we had to do all the rehearsals online, all the like break, the, the developing the songs was all done on Zoom. Yeah, and it's, it's not easy. It's not easy to teach dancers on on Zoom. No, well, obviously, when we actually shot the film, I was the I mean a COVID supervisor. I was your COVID supervisor, and uh, we had a very <laughs> we we had some logistical problems though, and we I was really it was a really well executed crew. Like we had such a good crew, and we all worked very hard. And like, you know, it was such a fun production to be on. That was a really good fun. Stressful, but fun. Um, <laughs> Very stressful. Because I think of- um, I do want to give a shout out to Matt Timms, who was the first AD. He like really kept things on the ball. He was And I don't so think it would have been... 
He was so good. It wouldn't have been possible without him. And like, because yeah. obviously we, I talked about this in the episode earlier, but like we had to record the vocals for this musical in my cupboard in the flat where we did the podcast. Yeah. And like, <laughs> like that's the thing is because obviously because of COVID, like we couldn't use any facilities at uni and, you know, Elliot really saved the day and you saved the day with providing us with it. I think you've referred to it as your podcast studio before. This little <laughs> Co- cupboard. <laughs> More of a cupboard, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> a broom so cupboard. We ba- yeah, we basically had Elliot and the singers one by one in there. And Elliot, Elliot honestly, is going to enjoy me saying this, like, I'm sure. But he's like, the stuff that he did, like the the, the, the sound work and like the, the, produce, the production value on the songs is like, it's all him and um he worked closely with Richard who wrote the the music and yeah like it sounds beautiful because you know Elliot put in so much work and well, well I think yeah. we're actually going to use some of these songs as interludes for this episode when it comes out so you people will be able to hear but a little sample of what your musical was like in the songs which is good their streets daily some say i'm amazing but me now that's just me when i parallel park and don't budge a single stone some find it such a shock but then i say hey that's just me i'm a fantastic cook and i'm not a huge thing about it Kyle, i'm i'm really i'm glad that you pushed yourself to make a musical i respect that that it's not an easy thing to do we're like very close to finishing it we've we've finished the grading and we're like a day away from uh, finishing the sound, I think. So I think by the time this goes out, hopefully it's, you know, we're submitting it to festivals, but I don't know. It, it seems to drag on forever because of like COVID, like we can't actually sit in the same room. So we have to, you know, send email the the links to people, to like Petros, my editor, he'll like send the links to me and I'll watch them, like give him detailed notes. And then like more often than not, we'd have like a three or four hour Zoom to discuss mm. the, the latest cut and like we'd finish at three in the morning which I don't think helped anyone I don't think it helped anyone <laughs> and you know he's spending 10 hours a day on this and then a three hours of him at the end it was it was he worked so hard and he's done a great job yeah COVID hasn't made anything easy on this film uh, and of course we I feel we should mention how good a cinematographer Leo was as well Leo it looks stunning and Leo's yeah Leo's done a great job he really um, has yeah like that was I look that forward to I seeing thought, it. Like, yeah, I mean, you'll probably get a sneak preview. Like to think so. COVID supervisor, <laughs> Jamie McKinley over here. Um, no, before, I was going to say, before we move on, I just wanted to talk about something that happened on the first day of shooting, Kyle. I think you know what I'm going to say. Oh, God. <laughs> so I was a COVID supervisor slash runner uh, on this film. I kept it going, man. I was like, I did. Hey, I was, I was You're a- the heart of the production. <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> but um, obviously, so I get, I get to set and I'm going around everyone. And I, I you know, because I'm, I'm, I like to be quite on it as a runner. So I, I like to go around regularly and say, Would you like it's anything? It's not a to job drink? interview, mate. Shut up. This is my podcast and I'll say what I want, Kyle. <laughs> you, you, you just, you just hold fire the now. We're getting to, we're getting to the point. I'm getting in a tangent. Anyhow, I'm offering the crew coffees and teas and whatnot, right? Which is totally fine. That's my job. I get to Kyle, big director Kyle, and I say to him, Kyle, could I get you a tea, coffee, water? And Kyle looks at me and he says, I'll have a hot chocolate, please, mate. Which, you know, is kind of fine, I guess. But taken to context, we're on a very busy set. We're rushing about. We're in a small location. Tea and coffee takes a couple of minutes to make. Hot chocolate is far too tedious to be making on a set. Because I have to go to the microwave, you know, put the milk in. So he orders a hot chocolate, which is totally fine. But he then says, when I give him it, 
We not put marshmallows in it. I provided the hot chocolate and the marshmallows for this specific purpose. I don't see anything wrong with it. I am well. Anyway, the rest of the shoot. Let's just say um, everyone kept asking for hot chocolate. Thanks to Kyle. So, because I'm a trendsetter. <laughs> <laughs> I just like that story. <laughs> I, I, no one else is probably, everyone else is probably like, what the f- is it, Jamie, talking about? No, so Kyle, I'm well done on making the musical and I hope you're happy with uh, the final cut and stuff. And I'm sure people will be able to see that at some point in the future. So, you know, who were your big influences in terms of filmmakers and stuff? Like, what, who is it you look up to? That is a good question. And one that I probably should have uh, expected. <laughs> I, at the moment, I'm really liking Sam Mendes's work. Not just not just like 1917, that was amazing, but like I've gone back and watched um, American Beauty and Road to Perdition, which were his first two films, and would recommend them. Like, they're incredible. How, how do you um, think American Beauty holds up? Because I really like that film when I watched it. I mean, I'm talking years ago, but now with the whole Kevin Spacey thing... Yeah, I, I mean, feel, I'd never I actually feel, seen it until... Yeah, I um, feel like it'd be recently. awkward to watch, like, odd. It, it was a bit, and there was there were some moments that were a bit, you know, hard to watch. You know, Sam Mendes um, is, you know, like, even like just reading his interviews and like watching watching clips of him discuss his craft is like, you learn so much. And um, actually you were, did you go to the um, the masterclass he did in lockdown? Like the, yeah. the Zoom one. That was amazing, yeah. wasn't it? We got to go to a masterclass with Sam Mendes and your hero, Kyle, would you like to say? <laughs> Christy Wilson Cairns, who wrote 1917. Is a, who is a very talented writer. Fantastic writer, actually, yeah. Yeah, but like in that masterclass, he said he said something that's kind of stuck with me, which was, I'm going to paraphrase, but it's it basically, you know, there are lots of good filmmakers out there, but there are even fewer great storytellers. Yeah, so there are so many films that get all these amazing reviews and and. They're like technically amazing, like the camera work or whatever is is incredible. But then the story isn't there for me. And it's like, I'd rather have a strong story. And then like, you know, like story should always be like the the core of whatever it is, uh, rather than fancy technical skills. If you can combine them both, then even better. But it should always be about the story, I think. And like, and like, again, like the, how does the camera work service the story? Like, what is the camera doing that's actually adding to what we're seeing on screen or what, what the actual story of the film is. No, it's really interesting. And one of the, a film you actually got me to watch, which I love, is a prime example of a great story, but, and they did it on such a low budget, but once the musical, which you told me to watch, a, a, such a nice film, a really good film. I'd, if you haven't seen that, I'd actually it's, recommend going and watching it. It's honestly, it's, you know, top 10 favorite films for me, because, you know, I think they made it for like a hundred grand and then it ended up winning an Oscar for best song. And, you know, I remember the first time I watched it, I watched it with my brother and the song on the Oscar was Falling Slowly. Mm-hmm. And like when that scene played, you know, me and my brother had to pause the movie. And this is the only time I've ever done this, but we paused the movie because like, we just could not, like we needed to take like five minutes Aww. off, you know, cause it was just such like an emotional moment that was just so simple and so perfect that, you know, we, like we just needed to like collect, like take in what we've just seen. film that 
that I've had to do that with. Yeah. Well, Kyle, actually, just to quickly make another point, but your brother is very creative as well. He was quite. A, he's been quite a big influence on you. If you mind talking about that for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. He's um, an actor, a singer in Australia, and he's. Yeah. I mean, like we always liked the same stuff growing up, and you know, he was someone that I could chat with about you know films or or music or whatever. And he. See, he studied writing as his first degree and then he went and studied musical theater and yeah i mean the we've so when i was doing radio he um he came back for like a holiday and like i had this show i had this show that i was like working on and it was like it was basically like a fake behind the scenes of, of the show and it was like you know um it was like a rip off of the office office basically and so he was gonna play the the sort of narrator and like it was it was meant to be the 50 year history of the show and like it, it was meant to be like in the seventies, it was like a top of the pops ripoff, and then in the eighties, it was like a cop show, and then the nineties, this this radio show that I hosted was a sitcom. And he basically came into the studio one day, and like I had half formed ideas, and I basically like riffed them with him, and he just like turned this into something like I was really proud of it. Like I don't, if I looked back on it now, it would probably have a lot of it'd be like looking at baby pictures, you know, like there's Aww. there's lots of flaws in it. But it's like, um, That's sweet. it's uh, it's like, it means a lot to me. And it's like, had he even wrote like a, a sitcom theme for it? And it's, it's something like to, to this day, it still gets caught in my head. Lips may fly and parents may die, but we're still sticking together. She's a hardworking girl, he's a laid back guy, but we're still sticking together. Now we're teaching all the boys and girls about their lives, about the world, cause we're studying around, studying around. They were in the lost and found, now we're studying around. So yeah, he's, uh, he's very talented, unfairly talented, I would say. <laughs> That's how I feel with Elliot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no but your brother also has a podcast which you know fuck it let's just i'm just gonna plug it for him you're welcome is his name his name's ellis isn't it ellis yeah i've never met the man but you know I, you talk about him quite a lot which is nice <laughs> but I, I listened to his podcast which you recommended me and it's called feminism ruins everything and it's a very nice podcast and uh, they have a very good episode on harry met sally that's all i've listened to but yeah there you go free po- free promotion yeah yeah he has <laughs> sat with his friend mim who's uh also very talented she did a cabaret at the adelaide fringe that won like a bunch of awards last year so she's she's going places as well nice that's that's good so yeah check well, that one out as well so Kyle, we ask everyone that comes on the podcast, as you will know, because I know you listen. Thank you. Um, but we ask everyone that comes on, what's the worst part-time job you'd ever had or a job you'd had to work to support your art that was maybe not very fun? Yeah, so this this one, it's not that the job was bad, it's that I was bad in the job. Was this the time you had to um, help, your mom, help your mum and dad move house for a day? <laughs> Which time? I've moved house about 20 <laughs> times in the last five years. Basically, I was I'm 18 or 19 and... And my friend, like I chatted to him at a party and I was like, oh, I'm looking for a job. If like you, you hear anything where you work, like, let me know. And then like, this was in April and then December comes by and he's like, I'm going away for New Year's and I need someone to, to like cover my shifts for a few days. So like he, he basically was like, come and cover my shifts on like the three busiest days of the year, having never worked in the kitchen before. And I was like, really, I was really enthusiastic and eager. And I was like, OK, I'm going to make a good impression. And then 
day one, I show up 20 minutes late and <laughs> there was someone doing the dishes, like waiting for me. And like, as soon as I got there, they just like roll their eyes and walk out the room and like leave me to do the dishes. And, <laughs> and I was like, I, I cannot stress how bad for productivity I was because there was like never, <laughs> there was never a clean workspace. Like all the dishes were like piled above my head. I, I honestly think it would have been more productive without anyone doing the dishes. And I remember at one point, at one point I just kept like, I, kept, I put the dishes in the dishwasher and they kept coming out dirty. And I, so I put them through again and I did it like seven times and every time they came out dirty and I had to get the boss to like change the filter on the dishwashing machine and like he was like on his hands and knees doing it and like he was <laughs> he was speaking greek but i know enough greek to know the bad words and he was just <laughs> he was not <laughs> impressed with me that day but to my credit i only broke one dish on day one they got uh, you they had you two. they had you back they actually let you come back <laughs> yeah. well the thing is he, he was the guy was gone for like, my friend was gone for three days it's like they they couldn't they couldn't have like no one doing it the funny thing is my friend he messaged me on the final day and was like how did it go and I was like yeah no I had a good time it, was, it went well and then when he goes back into work the next week he sends me like a really angry message being Ooh. like what the hell Kyle? you said it went well and I'm like I had a good time He's like, you broke four dishes. <laughs> I, was, oh, I was so bad. I was so bad that I nearly got the friend who recommended me fired. Well, remind me to never recommend you for a job, Kyle. <laughs> but I'm bad. That was when I was 19. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm much more mature now. You never, so. never worked since. <laughs> <laughs> to be the same cafe like they posted on Facebook, like that they were looking for like a front of house person like a year later. And I was so tempted to, uh, to to apply for it. I kept them on my resume as well. Of course you did. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that story, guys. Good. Just get a real so just to finish off, well, first of all, Kyle, thank you very much for coming on and chatting to us today. I, I hope this has helped your quarantine pass by, you know, another it's, hour. No, it's been... Another hour, hour gone. So oh, that's good to hear. And it's nice to catch up with you as well, because you know you'd abandoned us, yeah. you went home. But um, <laughs> would you have you got any tips you would like to share to anyone who maybe wants to be a producer or study producing or work in the industry or just anyone at the start of their career as a young creative that maybe just wants a bit of advice? Do you have anything to offer? Yeah, don't take life advice from a twenty-four-year-old, especially Kyle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think my uh, Can't even my, wash my genuine advice, my genuine advice would be just basically don't be an asshole because like you learn basically immediately that no one's going to want to work with you and you can be the most talented person out there. Like there's always going to be someone who's, you know, the same talent as you. But if you're, if you're hard to work with, if you're an asshole, if no one wants to work with you, like you're not going to get the work. But Delilah said something amazing in episode five. She said, you can't go and get an Emmy and a good personality. And I think that's kind of what you were saying there. And I, I love that. You can't go and get an Emmy and a good, that's brilliant, isn't it? It is. It's a brilliant line. Yeah. But like, you know, like I look at the people who I want to work with and it's not, it's not just because like they're talented. It's because, you know, I enjoy, you know, going for a beer with them. Oh, thanks. Like Kat. that, that should, there's some exceptions, but, <laughs> but you know, like it, it's, you should, you should be able to, it, it, it does get stressful um, on film sets, but like you should still be, you know, friends at the end of the day, or at least not yelling, you're not biting each other's heads off. You know, it's, um, I would also say that um, another piece of advice that 
was given to me by Susie Brown, who's the, the head of production at MA Film. She once said, um, she was talking about like specifically for producing, but I think it like applies to anything, even outside, like just general life. She said, like, don't let things happen to you, like be involved and like, like make the initiative to like, you know, lead from the front sort of thing or, or like make the changes you want to see rather than, you know, just sitting back and just whatever happens, happens. Oh, thank you, Kyle. I appreciate that. There's some there's some nice tips there and advice, and it was good to talk to you as well. And um, thank you for giving us your time. I mean, it's not like you're doing no, anything else, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very busy man. Yeah. So, sir, just to end on, Kyle, is there any more of those advice things that, that you were talking about at the start? I want to know what the Australian government are saying. <laughs> Day seven is just celebrate your first week done in quarantine. Woo! <laughs> Day eight, why not call someone you haven't spoken to in a while? You're doing that now. This is day eight. I think this is day eight. So (laughs) there we go. Tick that one off. Have you stretched today? Do yoga, touch your toes, arch your back, and feel the way your body moves. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a lyric to like a bad 80s song. I know. I know. Adam the Ant or something. (laughs) Day 13. Today is most likely your last full day in quarantine. Take some time to reflect on the last two weeks. (laughs) most likely oh thanks almost there almost over yeah good luck in the last few weeks and have a lovely quarantine christmas guy i hope you're okay in that (laughs) thank you merry christmas to you yeah merry christmas to all the listeners listening in february or whatever but um (laughs) (laughs) thank you Kyle. cheers for that appreciate it take care take care mate i hope you enjoyed this week's episode of just get a real job thank you very much again to kyle for coming on and talking to us I really enjoyed our conversation. Remember, if you liked anything Kyle had to say, check the links below the podcast. So, if, for example, if you want to find out a bit more about Kyle's film, Dancing with Someone Else, you can do that. Uh, remember, as always, though, if you're enjoying the podcast, please like, subscribe, share, uh, tell your friends and family, you know, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. All that stuff is so, so helpful in helping us to grow this project because that's what we want to do. We want to keep growing this. You know, we're putting a lot of work in. Um, we're getting better and you know there's some really interesting guests lined up to talk to so I can't wait to keep doing this and thank you very much for listening anyway we'll be back again at the end of the week with more episodes of Just Get A Real Job stay safe folks Just Get A Real Job